Two fingers? Yeah. We're going to have one in Hebrews chapter number 11, one in Genesis 39. Hebrews chapter number 11 and Genesis 39. Brother Comer, we've been going through a series in Hebrews 11 of the heroes of the faith. We've been looking at God's hall of heroes in church. Here comes your test. And Gravy's back there. He remembers the first time we did this back with the teenagers. And uh, week one, we looked at Abel, the hero of sacrifice. Good. And week two, we looked at Enoch, the hero of obedience. Then thirdly, we looked at Noah, the hero of. Then we looked at Abraham, the hero of. Good. Then we looked last week at Sarah, the hero of. Gratitude. Awesome. Awesome. They're doing well, keeping up. And when you look at these messages and when you look at this in the series, it can be easy to say, okay, you know, obedience or okay, gratitude or okay, leadership. But think about how huge these attributes are, how important they are. And don't, don't let it just going from week to week or service to service, make it seem like, uh, you know, one's smaller than the other or one's greater than the other. Each one of these attributes, each one of these traits that these men and women had, it is how they were the most like Christ and that they are all just as equally important. And tonight we're going to be in Hebrews 11 and we're going to look at the hero in verse number 22. If you want to stand with me quickly, we'll look at Hebrews 11, verse 22. Hebrews 11, verse 22. We know Abraham and Sarah, they had Isaac and then Isaac had Jacob. And then uh, for the sake of time in our series, uh, we skip over and we see in verse number 22, by faith, what's that name? Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of his children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Joseph. Thank you so much for his life. God, tonight as we look into your word and we look at his life, God, I pray that we identify the things in his life that we could do better because there's probably no better picture of Christ in our scriptures than the life of Joseph. The way he was treated, the way he was abandoned, the way he was deserted, the way he was discouraged. God, I pray that you help us to see and align ourselves with your word tonight. Seek out that thing in our lives which is <clears throat> unlike you, Father, and help us to change it. Help us to move closer to you. And I pray and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Joseph, 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 the dreamer. We're going to begin our, uh, take most of our text in Genesis chapter number 39. So you can go ahead and be turning back direction to that, that direction. Genesis chapter number 39. And uh, <clears throat> Joseph is one of those heroes that many of us remember, many of us know about. We're going to come across some names in the, in, the, in the pages of Hebrews 11, and you may not know a lot about them. But Joseph is one of those that, uh, like a Moses or like an Abraham, we've heard the stories. We've heard about the coat of many colors. We know uh, the backstory of Joseph. We know that he was uh, daddy's, daddy's favorite. We know he was daddy's boy. We know he's the youngest of 12 brothers, the 12 tribes of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. And we know that those other 11 brothers didn't like him very much, did they? They didn't uh, care too much for him. There was some jealousy there. There was some uh, hatred there. There was some bad there that the Satan tried to use. Satan tried to manifest to ruin uh, this young man named Joseph, to ruin the dreams that he had. If, uh, if you're looking for sermons to watch during this time of pandemic when there's just nothing really on TV anymore, praise the Lord. Uh, there's nothing. There's no sports going on to distract, praise the Lord. There's no. If there's anything we've learned from this, it's all the things we can do without. Amen. Uh, but we've We've got uh, sermons all over the Internet. We've got studies all over the Internet. If you go on YouTube and you look up Dream Killers, and it's a sermon by Joe Arthur. All right. He does an amazing job de detailing 
uh, the dreams of Joseph and exactly the attitude his brothers had towards him. And Joe Arthur did a great job preaching that sermon. And he talks about how <clears throat> uh, discouragers are dream killers and deserters are dream killers and how his brethren, they, they had no respect for his dreams. They had no respect for what God had called him to do. And as a matter of fact, we know that they hated him for it. We know that in a little bit about Joseph's journey that his dad sent him to go check on his brethren. His dad sent him to just simply go see how they were doing. And as he had come to the place where they were, they saw him coming afar off and we know that they conspired together and they initially wanted to do what to him? Kill him. All right. They wanted him dead. They wanted him wiped off the face of the earth. Again, this is a Bible study. So y'all talk to me. We're diving in tonight. They, they decided they wanted to, to to kill him and they wanted him wiped off the face of the earth. They said, we will kill, literally kill his dreams. And the Bible says <clears throat> back in chapter number 37, and we shall see what becomes of his dreams. And we know that, you know, God probably heard them say that. God probably said, yes, you will see what will become of his dreams. You will see what's going to happen to him. But Joseph doesn't know any of this is going on. They want him dead. They want him gone. But a young man named Reuben, one of the brothers, stands up and he says, hey, let's not kill him. You know, let's cast him off into a pit. You know, let, let's, let's not have the, his blood on our hands. Let's, let's not do this. And we know that they cast him into that pit. Now Joseph, that was just simply doing something his dad asked him to do, Joseph Joseph that had simply come into his brethren was now cast into this pit by his brethren. Joseph, who was trying to do nothing but a good thing, he was just obeying the will of his father, is now being cast into this pit. And he finds himself there all alone, all by himself. <clears throat> and, and trouble just gets worse from there. A lot of times when we hit the bottom of that pit, we ask the question, how much worse could it be? Could it possibly be worse? Well, for Joseph, this was simply just the beginning. We know that another brother, Judah, stood up and he said, hey, let's not just throw him in the pit and leave him for dead, you know, then, then, you know, we won't profit anything out of it. And they have the idea and they birth the plan. They'll sell him uh, to the Ishmaelites and they'll sell him as a slave. And we know that's exactly what happened. They draw Joseph up out of the pit. They bind him up. And as these slave traders come by, they, they grab him and they say, Hey, you know, here's a young man. He's strong. He's young. You can use him for whatever you need. And they, he, they sell Joseph into slavery. And, uh, we know that from that road, Joseph had every right to ask the question, why is this happening to me? Woe is me. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't fail in any way. I was simply trying to do what dad sent me to do. I was simply going to my brethren. I was simply going and trying to help. And I was simply, he had every right to ask these questions and to complain and to pout, but he didn't. We know that as even as he was sold into slavery, then he ends up into Egypt. And then we pick up in our reading in chapter number 39 and verse number one. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. You know that the Lord was with him there in Egypt, but he was also with him in the pit. You know that the Lord was with him from the very beginning. The Lord was with him from the time he left dad's house. The Lord was with him every step of the way. The Lord turned for good what Satan was meaning for evil. He was with him every step of the way. And the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. In verse number three, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him an overseer over his house and all that he had he put into his hand. 
So we see Joseph, even though this road has not been pretty, even though that Satan attacked him through the brethren, that the brethren cast him into this pit, now we see God already turning the tide a little bit. And this wouldn't be the first time God did it. It wouldn't be the first time God, we know that as he was cast into prison, that God turned the tide for him yet again. And we know that as <clears throat> he was in prison, that uh, the baker and, <clears throat> and the other came in and they were telling him about this dream. They were telling him about, and he interpreted that dream for him. And we know God just kept turning things around for Joseph. And Joseph kept turning, <clears throat> getting things turned around for him and the hand of the Lord was with Joseph. But what was it about Joseph? What was it that allowed him to be blessed by God? What was it about him that allowed him to be used in such a great way? I would submit tonight that it was Joseph's purity. When faced with the decision to, to complain, when faced with the temptation to sin, when faced with the decision to act like all the other men were acting and act like all the other brethren were acting and to pitch a fit or to throw a fist or to fight or to complain or to take advantage of that sin that he would be tempted with here shortly, to take advantage, Joseph remained pure. And it was that way that when you look and you read his life and you see him, that he was the most like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When people were conspiring to take his life, Jesus could have absolutely wiped them off the face of the earth. He could have absolutely brought down fire and brimstone and consumed them. And he wouldn't have had to deal with those people. But he always took the high road. He always remained pure. He did not <clears throat> indulge in that wrath or indulge in that anger. When Jesus was tempted of the devil, he didn't cave in. He remained pure. So Joseph's purity tonight is exactly what we're going to go into. We're going to dive into number one. We've got a short time, so I'm trying to squeeze it all in, but it's so big and don't miss it. He remained pure in his work. He remained pure in his work. Look again at verse number one. What's he doing? And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. Was this a choice of his? Did he seek out this career? Did he post his resume? No, he was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. This was, Joseph had found himself in an occupation that he would have never, he was daddy's boy. He was the chosen child. He could have done nothing wrong. How many of you had a brother like that? All right. I did. Okay. I did. He had, there was, he was the golden boy. How many of you were that brother? There he is, a gravy back there. He's like, I'll admit to it. He could do nothing wrong. He could do nothing bad. Anything he wanted to do, he got. Anything he needed, he got. He was having these dreams. God had given, these, given him this great vision. God had gave him a little insight of the great things God was going to do. God had chosen him. God had set him apart. And now here he finds himself working a job as a slave over the commander of all the guard there that was in Israel. Now, how many of you, 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 you maybe know that that person, you maybe know that one with that silver spoon, you know daddy's boy, you know daddy's favorite. How do they usually do when they have to do something that they didn't want to do or they didn't choose to do? Not very well, do they? They usually complain. They usually gripe, just like me. They moan. They groan. I didn't ask for this. I didn't want to work here. I, I didn't want to have to sweep the floor. I didn't want to have to be a slave. I didn't. Have, my brother. They immediately would again play the victim and say, "This isn't my fault. My mean old brothers did this to me. My mean old brothers threw me in this pit. I'm going to point the finger. I'm going to do this." But Joseph didn't do that. He remained pure in his work. Watch what happens in verse number two. And the Lord was with Joseph. You know what could have changed that? Maybe if Joseph had that bad attitude, if Joseph fell into sin, if Joseph pointed the finger and, and whined and complained and moaned and groaned, but he didn't. But the Lord was with Joseph and was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master 
saw that the Lord was with him. This is huge. This is critical. Joseph, immediately upon being employed by this man named Potiphar, he began to work to God's standard. Do you know what it means to work to God's standard? Colossians 3.23 says, And everything that you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. When Joseph... When Joseph began to work for Potiphar, whatever it was Potiphar had him doing, whether it was sweeping the floors or whether it was cleaning out the soldier's latrine, he was a slave. He wouldn't have had the, the high-end jobs. He would, he would not have been paid for his work. He would not have been uh, allowed to do any of the big jobs. But even in the little things, as he was employed as a slave, Potiphar began to take note and say, hey, this young man is serving something higher than me. This young man is working harder than every other one. This slave is out working the rest of the slaves. This slave's doing something just a little bit different. He said, the Bible says that Potiphar saw that the hand of the Lord was with them. And I want to submit tonight that if you and I, we got jobs, don't we? Even if we're retired, we still got jobs we have to do. If we will do things to the Lord's standard, if we will work and remain pure in our work and not have the complaining attitude, not have the whining attitude, not have the, oh, I didn't ask for this or I didn't want to be here or it's their fault or it's their fault or it's their fault. If we have the attitude that Joseph did and do things to God's standard, do things to the Lord's standard, do things in worship and admonition of Him, our managers, our bosses, our leaders, whoever they are, will take notice. They'll begin to see that that young man, that that young lady is doing things to a higher standard than everyone else. And it was this that caused Potiphar to take note. And then not only that, the Lord was beginning to bless everything that Joseph did. How many of you have seen this maybe even in your own life? It doesn't matter what ambition you set out to do, but God is with you and God blesses it. And you, don't, and you know it wasn't anything you did. You know it wasn't anything you tried to do. You know everybody on the outside must say, oh, he's got some secret or he's got some uh, secret formula or we can't quite understand how he's so successful or we can't quite understand how he's accomplishing things so fast or so quickly. We can't quite understand why everybody listens to him, why everybody follows him. We can't quite understand when, when she sings how it's so pretty. We can't understand when she does this or when she does that, how it's so successful. When you are sold out and you are doing things for God and only God, and when you're doing things to His standard, and when you're pouring your whole heart into it, He blesses it. He causes it to prosper. He causes it to move forward. And this is not some happy, clappy, prosperity gospel baloney. This is something that we find in our scriptures that as Joseph poured his heart into his situation, even though it wasn't a good situation, even though it wasn't a great situation, he poured his heart and he stayed to the Lord's standard and he stayed pure in that. And the Lord blessed it. And Potiphar is now seeing that he is reaping the rewards of Joseph's hard work and Joseph's purity. He is now understanding that everything I put this young man in charge of, God blesses it. Every, th every job I give him to do, God blesses it. And he begins to give him more responsibility and more responsibility and more responsibility. And uh, we see that Joseph, he didn't abuse his authority. Look at verse number six. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he knew not he had saved the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. That means that Joseph had went from being the slave in the house. Joseph had went from being the one that was bought off the market, bought off the street, simply a property, simply a dog, to being the one second in command of the command over all the Egyptian guard. He would have had decisions to make. He would have been in a position of leadership. He was second only to Potiphar. But it, it's not one of those things where it was an, an angry uh, mob didn't like him or there were people jealous of him. But we see at the end of verse number six, Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. Well-favored simply means well-favored. People enjoyed him. People enjoyed being around him. People followed him. The Lord had not just blessed his work and made everybody else mad about it. No, we see even the Egyptians 
Christians that worked for Potiphar alongside Joseph saw his purity and they respected his purity and they admired the fact that he came from nothing. He came from the bottom and that he simply just served God right there where he was. He simply just didn't <coughs> moan and groan and complain. He simply just put his nose to the grindstone. He began to sweat. He began to work and he worked his way up with the help of the Lord. That hand of the Lord guided him every step of the way because he remained pure. And he didn't question it. He didn't moan. He didn't complain. He didn't fall to the temptation of pride and of sin. He remained pure in his work, but he remained pure in his walk. Look at verse number 11. Or verse number, let's review first. Verse number six. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Who's that? Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not he had saved the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person. And well favored. So Joseph had reached the top in verse number six. God had blessed Joseph. God had brought Joseph from the pit to the palace. He was right there alongside Potiphar. He was right there alongside the command over the Egyptian guard. And now we see Joseph at the top. Notice immediately after reaching this point, immediately after chapter number six, watch what Satan sends in verse number seven. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife. Look at that. Here's what Satan's going to use next. And it came to pass that these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. Mark it down. The moment you reach that platform for God, the moment you reach that place where God is about to use you, where God, that is when Satan's going to attack the strongest. That is when Satan is going to put, put an all-out assault. I, I had too much to weigh in on and too much to think about as you guys were all bringing the prayer request, and I wanted to amen this one and amen that one, and, and thank you for reaching out to those people, and thank you for reaching out to that one. But the one I got the most excited about a little bit was all these families you're talking about that you're visiting and you're talking with at the yard sale and you're saying, hey, why don't you come to church? And they're telling you, hey, I'll come to church. Hey, I want to come on Wednesday. Hey, I want to come on Sunday. And then we get a little discouraged when we say, okay, well, they didn't come this Sunday, but maybe next Sunday. Don't be discouraged, brother, because here's what's happening. They're making that commitment to you. They're making that commitment to you. And they say, you know what? I'm going to try to come this Sunday. And immediately when they leave the parking lot, they have a flat tire. You know why? Because the moment they make that decision for God, that's when Satan attacks the strongest. When Joseph got to the point where he's now in a position to do things for God again, to be drawing attention back into the Lord. That's when Satan sent his attack. And notice, even though Joseph stayed pure in his walk, watch what, watch what happens. Watch what happens in verse number <clears throat> eight. But he refused. He didn't give in. He remained pure. And he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar? No, what did it say? And sin against God. You see, he was able to remain pure in his walk because his loyalty was still not to a man. His loyalty was still not to a general. His loyalty was still not to an Egyptian. A lot of times we get it twisted and we think that our career and our workplace and our things that God is blessing is because we're putting our faith and trust in man or we're putting our faith and trust in a company or we're putting our faith and trust in a program or our own abilities or others. Even at this point, and the reason why Joseph was able to stay pure during this great temptation is he was staying pure not to a man but to a God, to a Savior to one that he knew that had called him. He knew had got him this far. He knew that it was his hand that was with him up until this point, And he was not about to disrespect. He was not about to sin against God. A lot of us wonder, why do we fall? Why do we fail? Why? Because 
We're too busy looking if he's watching or if she's watching and we're not worried about if he's watching. But as Joseph was sitting here, as Joseph was placed in this time where this woman, this wife, this one that was coming after him, this one that Satan was using to try to break him down, to try to ruin his testimony, to try to wreck his walk, he was able to withstand her because of his purity before God. And he refused. But what took place? What took place? Here's Satan attacking again in verse number 10. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Notice she didn't quit day by day. She kept trying. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went in the house to do his business and there was none of the men in the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them saying, see, he hath <clears throat> brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us and came in unto me to lie with me. And I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me. She is lying, 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 lying. Look at verse number 16. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. Here she is. Now she's told the men of the house. She stirred all this up. She's coming up with this great deception. She's great lie. No, no doubt Joseph's over there going, nope. Nope, I didn't do it. Nope, I refuse. Nope, surely he'll believe me. Surely he'll trust me. Surely he'll, uh, he'll, he'll understand that I had nothing to do with this. Surely by now he trusts me. He's committed everything into my hand. He's committed everything to me. He's let me be second in charge. He's held nothing back. He loves me. Surely he wouldn't uh, believe her over me. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying in verse number 17, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when the master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did the servant unto me, his wrath was kindled. Hmm. Joseph hasn't done anything wrong up until this point. The only thing the man's done is remain pure. As that 17-year-old boy in the pit he remained pure. He didn't attack his brother. He didn't fuss. He didn't fight. He didn't call out to God. He didn't question it. He didn't complain. And then he asked her, he's been sold into slavery in Egypt. All he did was remain pure to God. All he did was work hard under God's standard. All he did was allow God to use him right there where he was in what he was doing. Didn't complain. Didn't. So surely nothing bad would happen to him, right? No. Yet again, here Satan is attacking him. But he remained pure in his wrath. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't fuss, fight. Look at verse number 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. In between verse number 19 and 20, there was no long verse about how Joseph ran away from the problem that he had just found himself in. There's no verse saying where Joseph drew out a sword and began to fight and say, I'll die before I admit or before I let anybody think that I'm wrong or before anybody accuses me of this thing. No. He just remained pure, didn't he? He just, if this is what God wants, if this is God's will, he knew in his heart he had done absolutely nothing wrong. He knew in his heart that he had obeyed God, that he had hearkened unto God, that he did not sin against God, but that this woman was lying, this woman was thieving, this woman was scheming, this woman was trying to wreck his entire testimony. And it, there's no verse in between 19 and 20 saying where Joseph opened his mouth, is there? Nope. We see he remained pure, even in his wrath. 
Even when he had every right to call out Potiphar, call out Potiphar's wife, and whether they would have listened to him or not. How many of us let words fly and we don't care if they listen or not. We don't care if they hear him or not. We get so angry, we get so mad that we let those words fly. We let them know how we feel. We let them know what we're going to think or what we're going to do or what we're going to say regardless if they're listening or not. Regardless if they'll hearken unto our words or not. We let her rip tater chip. But Joseph didn't, did he? Why? Because he knew he had to stay pure. He knew back as that 17-year-old boy, he, God had given him a dream. God had given him a vision. And God had something bigger, and surely he wasn't about to let this wreck it. He wasn't allowed to let this ruin his testimony. This purity that he had was so, so critical in what he would do in the days ahead. So we see him move forward, and he goes to prison, and, and he goes <clears throat> in that place of prison, and, and you know the story. As he's there, what happens? In verse number, <clears throat> I mean, it's amazing just to watch what God does. In verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Wait a minute, he's in prison. It's over. It's never over till God says it's over. Amen. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. No doubt Satan's probably sitting there stirring, stewing, mad. I can't get this kid. I can't beat this guy. I can't make him curse God. I can't make him complain. I can't make him question. I can't. Why? Because he just keeps staying pure and because his heart is pure and because his heart is noble. God won't leave him. God won't depart from him. God's right there with him. I can't touch him. I can't harm his testimony. Why? Because he's staying pure and God's right with her with him. His hand's right there with him. I can't touch him. I can't divert him. I can't skew him off his path. He's still here. He's still witnessing. He's still being the Christian that he knows he needs to be. He's still being the young man that God called to do something. He's still being the young man that he was given a dream. He's still being the young man that God wanted him to be. And no matter what I throw at him, I threw his brothers at him. I threw violence at him. I threw fear at him. I threw a woman at him. It's not working. Think about where Satan is here. You know how you make the devil mad? Serve God. Serve him. Make the devil mad, mad, mad. <laughs> Look at, but he gave him favor in the eyes of the keeper of the prison and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. Joseph's in charge of the prison. You think God still does stuff like this? I love it. I love it. And the world will look at it and go, he's so lucky. I don't know how he gets so lucky. I don't know how she just she just has things so easy. Have you ever thought maybe because they serve God? You ever thought maybe while everybody else is fussing and fighting, they, they just say, hey, I'm going to stay pure. I'm going I'm to take the high road. I'm going to keep my mouth clean. I'm going to keep my thoughts clean. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm going to choose to stay pure for the best I can. Gets better. We know Joseph got out of prison. We know that Joseph, by getting out of prison and interpreting the dream of Pharaoh, that Joseph goes from the pit, okay, to the prison, all right, then to the palace. He's in the palace of Pharaoh, the palace of the most powerful world empire at the time. Here he is again, second in command. And Pharaoh has everybody in the entire kingdom of Egypt, empire of Egypt, reporting to Joseph. Satan has got to be beside himself at this point. I threw this boy in a hole. And when that didn't work, I threw this boy in a dungeon. How did he end up in the palace? How did he end up in the palace? He stayed pure. 
A lot of us think, a lot of us think that we've got we've to check this box and we've got to check this box and we've got to check this box. And if we don't do this, then God won't do it. Let us do this. And if we don't do this, then God won't let And there's a lot of things in Scripture that we ought to obey and that we ought to heed and that we ought to under. But if you're not staying pure, none of the rest of them matter. If you're not keeping yourself clean in the eyes of God, none of the rest of them matter. God uses broken vessels every day, Amen. but he refuses to use an unclean vessel. Being unclean after we let him put our vessel back together when we get saved. Being unclean at that point becomes a choice. Because while we do have a sin nature and we do have a thorn of our flesh, Brother Johnny Pope says it like this. A lot of us use the illustration of our sin nature is one dog and the righteousness of Christ is another dog. And when they get into a fight, whichever one we feed more will win. All right? A lot of preachers use that illustration. It's not necessarily wrong, but Johnny Pope shed some light on it and he said this. He said, okay, if you're going to use that metaphor, our sin, our, the righteousness of Christ in us is a great Dane. And our sin nature is a starved Chihuahua. When those dogs fight, who's going to win? The great Dane. You see, the righteousness of Christ in us is way more powerful than any temptation, any sin, anything that could ever be set to beset us. It is way more powerful. It is way more accessible. It is way more all-knowing all and all-protecting <clears throat> um, and all-gracious. But we refuse to take hold of it, don't we? Why? We choose not to be pure. You see, if we choose purity, if we choose righteousness, if we choose God, I I'm going to do this your way. He'll take care of it, won't He? He'll handle the pits. He'll handle the holes. He'll handle the prisons. And you might end up in the palace one day. Your palace may be different than mine, but God's plan for you may be different for God's plan for me. But God has places that He has for His people. And all He asks is that we stay pure. He'll do the rest. He'll take care of it. He had one more opportunity, didn't he? As Brother Comer cited in chapter number 50. But we're going to look back a little bit in chapter number 45. Look with me in Genesis chapter 45. Look at this. He had one more opportunity to blow it. Here he is. Satan tempts him again. He's now large and in charge. He's second only to Pharaoh. And here comes those brothers. Here comes those ones that threw him in the hole. Here comes those ones that hated him. The Bible says they hated him yet the more. They hated his guts. They wanted him dead. If it wasn't for Reuben, he would have been dead. If it wasn't for God, he wouldn't have been dead. But here he is. And there's those brethren bowing down. Here's those brethren fulfilling the vision that God had. He had teased them a little bit. He had said, Go tell your father to send Benjamin. And then they, they put the, the cup, the vessel in Benjamin's clothes. And he did some trials with them, make sure that they were really starving, make sure that they really needed the help. And here's Joseph's chance. Here's Joseph's chance to do what you and I probably would have done. I told you. Look at me now. Look what happens in chapter number 45, verse number 1. And Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. He didn't do it for a show, did he? When it came time to talk to his brothers, when it came time to talk to Bubba, he said, everybody out. He didn't want to put on a show. 
Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer, for they were troubled at his presence. Here it is. Here's the opportunity that you and I sometimes cave into. And we want revenge. We want vengeance. We want to see them admit they were wrong. They feared at his presence. They're like, it's, it's Joseph. No doubt every one of them just working their way towards that door. What did he do? Let's see the purity in this. And Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me. Come here. I pray you. And he came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet are five years in which there shall be neither earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you, a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. He hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord over all his house, and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. Look at that. Lincoln said this, if you want to truly test a man's character, give him power. Give him power. Here's Joseph with all the power the known world had at that time, faced with the very ones who Satan used to try to wreck his life, to sell him into slavery, to cause all this pain and all this suffering and all these accusations. Here he is. What does he do? He forgives him. He tells him, this is what God had planned all along. This is what God had planned all along. The will of our Father was more important than you, was more important than me. And do you see now exactly why this has all happened? And no doubt the brothers probably thought a few minutes earlier that they were dead men. He's going to kill us. He, had us dead. he has us dead to rights. Here, here it comes. This is what revenge is going to feel like. But no, his purity, his Christ-likeness here. You know what this is? This is Jesus hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's purity. Even in that pain, in that suffering that Jesus had as He hung upon the cross, He didn't let it go. He didn't yell out profanities. He didn't react at anger. He didn't at any point, he could have called 10,000 legion of angels to come down and just take care of business. But he didn't. He showed purity. Even unto death, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Look at the life of Joseph here. Look at opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity that you and I probably would have just, I'm done. I'm done. But he didn't fight. He didn't do anything valiant or crazy or out of the blue. He just simply remained pure. So you and I, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how hard things get, no matter what prisons or pits or palaces we may find ourselves in, we can always remain pure. And that's one thing I'll say in closing. All these attributes, all these attributes that we're going through, purity, obedience, sacrifice, leadership, none of them require anything from our end. None of them require talent. None of them require a skill set. They simply require 
following the Lord Jesus Christ and staying obedient to his plan and staying pure to his plan. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Joseph tonight. God, I pray as this message sinks in, Lord, I pray that we just simply see the simpleness of purity, that we take a look at our lives and maybe ask the question, maybe the hand of the Lord's not on us like it used to be because of decisions we make or things we've placed in between us and between Christ and God. Help us to see that our sin nature is nothing compared to the righteousness of God and that if we would simply just hold to it, if we would simply just cling to it, that the righteousness of God can heal our <clears throat> deepest sorrows and carry us through our deepest pitfalls and our deepest prisons. God, I pray tonight, if there's one in here that has something in between them and you, Father, I pray that they acknowledge that it was not put there by you and maybe there's some purity that needs to come forth. Maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to come forth. Maybe there's some repentance that needs to come forth. God, I pray tonight that we look at this thing of purity and we understand the life of Joseph and understand above all that Christ is the picture we're looking at here and that Christ is the one who even unto death forgave. I pray and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. I will see everybody Sunday morning, 1030.